Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Matt asked me about teaching Sunday school, and it's been two years since I've taught Sunday school in here. So I thought, ooh, I'm going to have, you know, kind of skid, skid along, because I'm going to be honest with you. For me, it's one thing to touch the, teach the women, and it's a whole other ballgame when you ask me teaching here. It just shakes me up. But I came across a book by Max Licato, and it's called Unshakable Hope. And man, the title just grabbed me, and I said, I got to do that. So what is hope? If you defined it, what would it be? One of the big words that pops out is expectation. But there's a definition I saw that I really liked. It's a belief in the fulfillment of something. And if there was ever a time that we needed hope, it's now, right? Look at what's just happened to Florida. Look at what's happened over the past two years. A virus came in that we'd never heard of, a brand new thing. Lots of theories about it, but irregardless, lives were lost. Businesses shut down. The nation literally shut down. We talk about that as a whole, but we're going to make it a little bit more personal. What's happened in your life? How has life affected you? In the last two years, what's gone on in your life? Or what's gone on recently, maybe even this week? What comes to mind that brings you worry or anxiety? What's that thing when you lay your head down at night and you're trying to sleep and all of a sudden, sudden things are racing through? It could be your family. It could be kids that are lost. You need them to come back to Jesus or get a little bit closer to Jesus. It could be your finances. You got more bills coming in than money. It could be your job. For some, it's a lack of a job. They don't even have a job. For some, they want a better job. If you're like me, you got a brand new job and sometimes you're just flat overwhelmed. Whatever it is, there's also the what ifs we lay down and we start thinking, what if this happens, God? What if that happens? And I'll be honest with you, I am, I'm sure the minority, I'm not a social media fan. I don't have Facebook. But the short time that I had Facebook, one thing that I found out, people are looking for a connection. People put things out with agendas that we don't always agree with, but people are looking for somebody to really care People are starving for people to like what they put out there, whether it's what they did that day, the latest picture, the latest dinner, whatever it is. But if you really look into it deep, which I overanalyze everything, call me crazy. It looks like people are looking for hope. And as a society, we're more educated, we're more entertained, we are more connected than we've ever been with social media. Yet in all of that, here in America, the inc there has been an increase of suicide by 24% since 1999. Could it be that people are dying for lack of hope? Hosea 4.6 says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I really believe they don't have the knowledge that Jesus is their hope. Life's a journey, and we all face different seasons. There are seasons of joy, times of sorrow, challenging times. But what if we filtered our life through the promises of God. John 16.33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. 
and the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's a scripture we've all heard so many times. We've heard it, we've spoke it. But there was something that jumped out at me. Two words, in me. You see, my peace is not because I go around saying, I'm a believer in Jesus, I'm a Christian. My peace is when I am in him, when I'm in him, when I have a relationship with Jesus, when I take time to talk to Jesus, when I take time to meditate on his word. And I want to tell you, it's not always that you get your Bible out and you read it. One time I came downstairs, this has been years ago, and Stuart was just sitting, and I'm like, what's wrong? And he said, I'm just meditating on the word. And I thought, well, okay. We need to take time with him. We need to dwell in the shadow. We need to live in his presence. There is where your peace is found. Acts 17, 28, and the King James says, For in him we live and move and have our being. In him the world is filled with problems, but his word is filled with promises. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John Pop ministered a few weeks ago, and man, it just hit me. He said, you can't separate the two. They're one. How do you say you love Jesus, but you don't love the word? They are one. My peace is in him. My life, my being is in him. He is the word. The promises of God in his word are the answers to life's problems. My problems and your problems. The help for my heartache, rest when my soul is weary, strength when I'm worn is all found in him. I might grow tired and I might grow weary, but I will hold to his promise. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 says, we've heard it, but I'm going to tell you again. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. Even the youth grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who, what's the word? Hope. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not faint. We've heard that time and time again, right? And I think of running. We think of running a spiritual race. We correlate it to a physical race. I'm going to tell you right now, the thoughts of running wears me out. I'm not a runner. I'm not a jogger. I do good to walk, right? But it makes sense when you think about it. You're going to get tired when you're running. But how can you run this race and not get tired when he is running with you? How does he run with you? When you are in him, that's how you do it. But there was something new, again, about this scripture. It says that you can walk and not faint. In July, we went to the hottest city I've ever been in, Memphis. Hot. We stopped to get gas when we first got into the city. Stuart went in to pay. I did what I do. I got out of the car and I talked to the lady beside of me because I love to talk. And she was from Memphis and I said, man, this place is hot. And she said, yes, honey, if you're out, you can't hardly stand it. You have to get in shade. Where do you get shade? In a shadow? In a shadow? If you're out, you can get shade when you're in the shadow of a tree. When I'm walking this walk, I'm going to get shaded by his shadow. But I'm not going to get it if I ain't walking close to him, right? 
And where is it? Again, it's in him. It is in him. So I'm going to tell you, there's times when you're walking, you don't realize how hot it really is. And all of a sudden, heat of the battle hits you. It hits you. And you may even speak the words, this is hotter than it has ever been, Jesus. I don't know what's going on. It is one thing, then the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. And you may even say the words, I'm not going to make it this time. I'm not going to make it this time. God, this time is going to take me out. Well, I'm just here to tell you, speak to him. Get in his shadow. He will show up. About a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I really believe that the Lord gave me this dream. And I'm going to get through it without crying. In the dream, it was just uh, me and a huge group of people. And we're walking. And there was nothing around that I saw that we were even walking to. But we were literally, we were just walking. And I didn't know anybody but my brother, Herschel. But he was in the distance. So he's my brother, but he wasn't walking with me. He was at a distance. So we're just walking. I don't know where we're going, but we're just walking. And there was a street. And I could see across the street. And I got about halfway older, over. And it was as real as anything I have ever felt in my dream as I have felt in reality. I said, I threw out my hands and I said, Jesus is here. I feel him. It was so real. It was as if I had walked into the presence of God. So the next day I began to share my dream with Stuart. And I shared it with Debbie and I shared it with Pamela. And I thought, okay, God, I get it. I've been talking about how honestly for the last two years, it seems like where is God? Has anybody been there? Do you feel like he lost my address and he has blocked my phone number and I can't hear him? What is going on? And the Lord simply said, just keep walking. Just keep walking because you're going to walk back into my presence, Judy. And I said, okay, I got that. But what was the reason I saw Herschel in my dream? He said, because I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I'm here to tell you today that when you're going through those times and you think, you know, he has forgot all about me. He has no idea where I'm at. Keep walking. He's going to show up. Probably two to three years ago, Sawyer was much smaller than he is now. But he recognized letters and was sounding things out. He went into the bathroom and he hollered for me. And I thought it was the normal thing. But when I got back there, he said, Nana, look. And he pointed at the wall. He was so excited. He said, Nana, H-O-P-E, hope. What hit me? That sign had been there so long, I forgot all about it. Could it be that we've been walking this Christian life so long that we have forgotten the importance, that we have forgotten what is available to us in the hope of Jesus? Have we forgotten about it? So I'm just here to tell you, last time I spoke, I talked about trusting God. This time we're going to talk for the next few weeks about hope. I'm here to tell you that you have a hope. Now, I could have said you have hope, and you do have hope with, you know, um, a verb, um, the action word. You have an anticipation, right? But you also have a hope in the person of Jesus. When we say our hope is Jesus, our hope is in Jesus. The old song says, standing on the promises of God. This is how we have hope, when we trust and believe in the one who is hope. 
When Paul stood before Agrippa, he'd been in prison. What was his defense? Acts 26, 16 says, And now it is because of my hope and what God has promised our ancestors today that I am on trial. When we're going through things, don't bring up, you remember that time that I laid my hands on so-and-so and this miraculous thing happened in their life. No. When you're going through things, think back on who Jesus is. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That's where our defense is. That's where our defense lies. When we think of those in Scripture that have ran the race and walked in faith, there's many heroes of faith that come to mind, right? So I'm just going to throw out a few of mine. Sarah, being a woman, she was a lady that had longed for a child. Then she got the promise of a child. But she was at a point in life where naturally it was not able But what happened? She conceived a child. Why? Because scripture says she considered him faithful who made the promise. Abraham, when asked to take his promise as a sacrifice, he believed God. He held to the promise, trusting and even speaking out loud. Genesis 22, 5 says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and we'll be right back. He knew God promised he's not going to take it away. He promised, he trusted, he believed. Noah, we talk about that story to the kids and when we're little, but think about it. He believed God that a flood was coming had there been rain. So he didn't put his own intellect in it. He simply believed the voice of God. There's so many that we can discuss, but then there's also those in modern day And the greatest heroes heroes of my modern-day faith would be my parents. They lived it. I watched it. I saw it. It did not matter what the season was. It didn't matter if it was my issues. Uh, It didn't matter if it was sickness to them, whatever it was. They trusted and they believed that God would be faithful. They knew they could depend on God. The beginning of Scripture makes a case for the dependability of God. Nine times, Scripture says, God said. When God said, something happened. There was light. There was land. There was beaches. There was creatures. God said it. He didn't need advisors. He didn't need assistance. When he spoke it, it happened. God's word is sure, and if he says it, it'll happen. Psalms 33, 6-9 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The think, just think about that. Do you ever go out at night? The other night, it was after the storm. I'll get back to that in a minute. But the storm had come, and Stuart and I were in the kitchen. I was like, look at that outside. We walked outside. It was almost like the clouds were sitting on top of the houses, and there was this purpley pink cast. We look at that, and we're like, wow, isn't that cool? Wow, isn't it amazing that I serve a God that made those things? In the beginning of Scripture, God said. What if God hadn't said? It'd be a whole different thing now, right? But God said, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke it and it came to be. He commanded it and it stood firm. I love the last two lines. It came to be. 
it stood firm. My dad used to say, if he said it, you can take it to the bank. And that's the truth. When he speaks, it is firm. It is sure, steadfast, immovable, and unshakable. I thought this morning, you know, shaking. I think in the physical realm, shaking, we think about earthquakes, right? Well, I'm an insurance agent. Ask Jordan, he can tell you. We sell earthquake insurance because, you know, lots of people going to need it someday. But here's the thing. There's fault lines, right? There's fault lines. So if you live in that fault line, you absolutely want to get it. Well, guess what? Nine out of ten people now carry earthquake coverage because whether you think you're going to have a shaking or not, you're going to have a shaking. But he is here. He is with us always because whether you think so or not, life's going to hit. It will try to shake your faith. But trust in him in those times. The power that we've seen of God in Scripture is seen in Jesus. In Matthew 8, we read the story of the Roman centurion with a servant that was sick. He came up to Jesus and he says, Hey, I have a servant that is sick and I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. That'd be me. That'd be me, right? I'd be like, Jesus, I'm just Judy. You don't have to come, but if you just say it, it'll happen. So that's what he did. And Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in anyone in Israel. He says, go and let it be unto you as you have believed. Why does Jesus applaud his faith? Because the man believed the power of God's words. The Roman centurion understood the simple truth. God will not, God cannot break his promises. He must stand by his word. Therefore, we must stand on his word. Each of the heroes of faith that we mentioned, whether it be biblical or not, our current time, they had life-shaking events, but they held on to the unshakable hope of God. A hope, how do you have it? It's built on the promises of God. His promises are irrevocable because of who God is. James 1.17, he is unchanging. He sees the end from the beginning. He is never caught off guard by the unexpected. He makes no mid-course correction. He is not victimized by moods or weather. And all the women said, amen. amen. He's not concerned if I get a little moody. He's still Jesus. James 1.17, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Hebrews 10.23, he is faithful. God can be trusted to keep his promises. Romans 4.21, he is strong. He does not overpromise and underdeliver. He is able to do whatever he promised. Some of us here today have promises in our life that if I think about it, it ain't never going to happen because it's too big. But if he promised it, it's not too big. He is able to do it. Hebrews 6.18, he cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. He never exaggerates. He never manipulates, never fibs, never flatters. The verse does not say it's unlikely that God won't lie or it's improbable. No, the statement is clear. It is forthright. God cannot lie. Titus 1.2, and deceit is not an option. He doesn't break his promises. God is a promise keeper. The question is not... Will God keep his promise? No. The question is, will we build our life on God's promises? When we are people of promise, we not only affect our lives, but we affect those around us. I told my kids growing up, I still tell some of them, whatever you do will never affect just you. It will never affect just you. Your decisions affect other people. 
whether it's your spouse, your family, your co-workers, it affects everybody. Well, here's the thing. If you're a, people, if you're a person of, of promise, if you walk around like that, and you carry it inside of you, it's going to affect those around you. I am the Walmart minister and Kroger minister. When I go to the grocery, I kid you not, you could ask my husband, it takes me a long time because probably half of the times I go, I run into somebody. It could be somebody I barely know and all of a sudden I know just about everything about them. But that's okay because I got a promise inside of me that I can share with them. I want to be that person. I want to be the kind of person that when life hit, hits hard, instead of focusing on the problem and instead of shaking in the moment, I say, my world might be shaking, but I'm standing on God's promises. And I know that according to Romans 8, 28, all things. Okay, think about it. Scripture is true. So it didn't say some things and most things, Judy. No, it said all things, A-L-L, all things work together for my good. When I'm sick, his promise is God is my healer. When my finances are low, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody is in here today and you're having financial issues and you need a job, that job comes through a person, right? They don't even realize that they're moved by God. They're moved by God. They are moved by God. God uses people. So don't sit around and say it's never going to happen because it's already in the works. You just haven't seen it yet. Just hold on. Be the one who refuses to shake. Stand on his word. Build your life on something that will last regardless of the season that you're in. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'm going to liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his home on the sand and the rain came and the winds blew and they, and they beat on the house and it fell. And this last line just really hit me this week. I never realized it said, and great was its fall. Great was its fall. What separates the wise and the foolish? We've all seen people that we thought... Well, they know the Lord. They know truth. What happens? Could it be that they're mixing something with their faith? We're going to read a modern-day version of that story. Two people set out, set out to build a house. The first went to RPF Home Supply. Regret, pain, and fear. He ordered lumber that was rotted by guilt, nails that were rusty from pain, and cement that was watered down with anxiety. Since his home was constructed with RPF supplies, every day was consumed with regret, pain, and fear. The second builder chose a different supplier. She secured her supplies from Hope Incorporated. Hook me up there. Rather than choose regret, pain, and fear, she found ample supplies of grace, protection, and security. She made the deliberate, conscious decision to build a life on the storehouses of hope. Be the one that does that. Be careful what you mix with your faith. 
Don't put in it human intellect. You can't, you can't think this thing out rationally. You can't. Don't, don't do that. Don't mix in your pain. Don't mix in your anxiety, worries, fears. Make a conscious decision and say, I'm going to stand firm and sure on the faithfulness of God. Knowing that regardless of how you feel in a moment, God's words over you are true. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. I got to stop there. That hit me this week too. Sometimes we look for God to do this thing instantly. Buds come up first. Buds come up first. Quit getting all excited because it ain't happened yet. Do you see changes? You're budding. You're going to flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Achieve the purpose. There is certainty in God's word. Trust in his promises over your life. We've all got promises over our life. Each of us. Some of them you think won't happen because it's too big. If he spoke it, if he promised it, he will achieve it. 2 Peter 1 and 14. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. His promises aren't just good. They're exceeding and they are great. Evangelist Dwight Moody put it this way. We've all heard about that great man of God. He said, let a man feed for a month on the promises of God, and he will not talk about his poverty. If you would only go from Genesis to Revelation and see all the promises made by God to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the Jew and to the Gentile, and to all the people everywhere, if you would spend a month feeding on the precious promises of God, you would not go about complaining about how poor you are, but you would lift up your head with confidence and proclaim the riches of his grace because you could not help it. What did he say, though? Spend a month. See, that's what we do. We give this little bit of time to thinking about the hope and the promises of God, and we spend all this time focusing on the problem. Let's turn it around. Let's turn it around. Let's focus on God's promises. When I think about those things yet to be, instead of me sitting around and I will preach to myself or teach to myself this morning, when I think, bring my daughter home, She's in Poland. Bring her home with her husband. Those promises in her life, she's been promised a child, yet she's not been able to have a child. You know what's bigger than that to me? There is ministry inside of her. Let it come to pass. But you know what I do as mom? I do what a lot of us moms do. I tell you what, I am so, I just don't know when this is going to turn around, God. Instead of saying, I thank you, Jesus, that though I don't see it, you are moving because you are faithful, you are true, you are a promise keeper. So, God, I'm going to quit complaining and I'm going to stand on your promises and I'm going to say, I don't see it yet, but it's coming, it's coming. What did the prodigal do? He's out doing all this stuff. What did the dad do every morning? Watching, looking. You know what's funny? What was the mom doing, you think? I wonder what she was doing. She might have been back here frustrated, aggravated. But think about it. The love of a father. 
It does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter all your doubts. All the times you threw hope out the window because it hadn't happened yet. God says, it's okay. They're my child. I know they got stuff going on, but I'm working on them. But he's standing. He's watching. And when he sees that prodigal or that one that has thrown hope away because they are so tired and worn and weary, he's waiting with open arms full of more hope than we have ever imagined. We've served him so long that we have made him minimal in our life. We've made him minimal. We've made his promises, his truth, his hope. We've downplayed it because it's the familiar. Well, I pray this morning. The scripture says he makes all things new. I pray, God, for everyone here this morning. Make our faith in you brand new. May it be bigger, stronger, bolder because somebody else needs to know that it has ever, ever been before. Ever been before. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he's faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Stuart said yesterday, you can't add to it, but you can't take away. All we need, all we need is right here. This Bible is so worn. You hold it and it comes off. But you know what the truth is? His words don't wear out. They don't wear out. They don't wear out. When he said it, it is from everlasting to everlasting to everlasting. He will not fail. He cannot fail. If he said it, Jordan, it'll come to pass. Cassie, it'll come to pass. It doesn't matter if in your mind it makes no sense because the doctor said this or my employer said that. Throw it out the window. What does this say? What does this say? There is nothing impossible with God. He is faithful. He is true. He is better than good. He is great. He is merciful. When you go through days that voices come to you and say, you're not going to make it. Pick up a phone, call a friend if you need to. That person that's carrying around promise, it is their responsibility to share that promise. I think I've said probably everything I need to say today, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's true. It is true. There is hope available, and it's not in here it's in here. And I'm going to get a little bit, little bit further. It is here. It needs to be in your belly. In your belly. Overflowing. Overflowing. He is all the hope we need. He will bring kids home. He'll put lives back together. He'll provide that job that you've been praying for. For how many years? When you've lost your loved ones and it makes no sense, he's going to carry you through whatever it is that you face. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the person of hope. I thank you that I live in a life that has real battles But I got a real Jesus. And I'm not walking alone. Even in those times when I don't feel you, I don't see you, I know that you are there. And I will continue walking because at any moment we will walk into your presence, God. 
Heavenly Father, I pray for each one here today. They made the sacrifice to come to your house when they could have stayed home, had an extra hour before service to rest. But they came this morning, and I pray that what I gave, God, they receive. That, Lord, you take it and you water it and you let buds come forward. And then, God, I pray that soon and very soon they flourish. And, God, the hope that's in their life springs forth to others. We are people of promise, and I pray in the name of Jesus that this thing becomes brand new, bigger, better than it has ever been, our faith and our belief in you. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your assurance. Now, God, we give the the morning service to you. You're already there, but we're getting ready to walk into it. Holy Spirit, meet us there. If there's one soul that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, do it. Do it this morning. God, we thank you for your promises, and we stand on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.